This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. If you have not heard of the Eco Defense Group, stop right now, Google them, stalk them on Instagram, find out who they are. Nathan Edmondson is the executive director and founder of Eco Defense Group. And essentially what Eco Defense Group is, is these individuals in the background helping anti-poaching of wildlife uh, and trafficking of wildlife and just the whole business of ensuring wildlife protection, but in the background. And I say that very purposely because... They're not out in front, they don't have an ego, but what they're doing is they're sending people with expertise to train the people that are protecting wildlife on the ground in South Africa. They're now getting into the intelligence world, they're getting into the corruption world, they're just doing a phenomenal job. And I wanted to talk to Nathan because I just have huge respect for him, huge respect for the organization, and they almost are on the same timeline as Blood Origins from a how long they've been on the ground and how long they've been going. So really enjoy this, and please, if you can, help Eco Defense Group donate to them, 
because the dollars are doing some phenomenal work on the ground in South Africa, in Malawi, in places in Africa that you just don't know are actually happening um, today. So enjoy. To deal with, I don't have any water. If I start coughing and spluttering and coveting all over the microphone. It's more the sniffing. I'm just going to be like drip. I'm telling you, drip. man, that you got the freaking COVID sniffles. No, it's, uh, it's the... Um, it is the Odessa tumbleweed dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love to start these things with a, a typical hard-hitting question. Okay. So a guy out of Hollywood, would that be a fair classification of your background? Where uh, you started? Uh, <clears throat> I suppose. I mean, I never thought of myself as very Hollywood. <laughs> I lived in the mountains outside yeah, of the city. Someone that worked in Hollywood, let me just say that, worked in Hollywood, decided that... He wanted to tackle one of the most devastating wildlife conservation issues that this planet is facing. Fair statement? I don't think I ever decided. Uh, well, I certainly didn't decide. Of course decide. you decided. <laughs> You're in this thing 1,000% of your day. You don't have weekends. You don't have holidays. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's yeah? true. But, uh, let, me, let me rephrase. I uh, did not make a conscious decision to um, leave one thing directly for the other. Uh, 100%. No, 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 no. Sure, I sure, had sure. some background in which I had experience with the um, special operations and intelligence communities when I, f- through, those, um, through those communities, understood the opportunity to bring new resources. But to be completely honest, like most people, I had very little understanding of the um, gravity of the crisis mm-hmm. and also of the realities of the needs. Did so you have a perspective... Given that you probably came, as you've just noted, you came from the outside. Did you think for a second, honest answer here, that hunters were involved? Like this was a hunting issue? No, not at all. Um, I, I don't really? think I had that. Even coming, did you have, that's interesting. I mean, I, I grew up, I, I wouldn't say I grew up a hunter. I grew up with hunting in my life in mm-hmm. Georgia. And a lot of bird hunters in mm-hmm. my family. Um, I think I knew what... Uh, I knew enough to understand the the realities of wildlife trafficking and you know who was harvesting uh sort of globally speaking and I I I didn't have any perception that hunting played a detrimental role or anything like that. I certainly however uh had a very shallow understanding mm. um of of all of it. And I guess my point before is that if you had asked me at some point before I had spent some time being exposed um, to to the crisis directly, I could not have built a business model to help. Uh, I wouldn't have known what resources to bring. I certainly would not have known uh, who, you know, who, who it, or in what way I could be useful. I, my assumption was that all the right people are already doing all the right things. I mean, this is it's a, a pretty g- good assumption, a globally recognized problem. People right. talk about it all the time. And yep. yet I found myself in a position where how many NGOs do you think are involved? Big NGOs. Oh, like a number. I, I all mean, of them. Yeah, I, I, exactly. WWF. All of them are involved in this thing. Yeah. I mean, how many celebrities have you heard talk about it? Yeah. I mean, how many commercials have you seen? So you assume, look, how could I play a part? All the best resources are already being allocated. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that was uh, that was my sort of at distance perspective, right? Mm. Um, I think what compelled me to 
commit, as you said, a thousand hours a day to it, uh, was not my passion for the cause, if you will, uh, but more um, finding myself in a position where I could be useful mm. and, and build an organization to be useful. And and I that was very surprising and continues to be surprising to me today. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, we're a small entity, and so to have an impact globally, which to have any kind of impact, it has to, you know, it has to be, it has to be global, right? You're talking about the extinction of species. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not just global, but it's it's sort of, you know, timeless and mm-hmm. almost eternal in a way. Uh, and um, so we're, we're small, and I find it frighteningly, I find it frightening and um, it should be shocking to most people that a group our size can have an impact. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's. everyone's listening to this going, who the hell is this guy? What the hell are you guys talking about? Because that's typically how these podcasts <laughs> go. All right. Nathan, introduce yourself, please. Uh, my name is Nathan Edmondson. I am the president of EcoDefense Group. We are a nonprofit that specializes in training uh, counter-poaching um, training and developing counter-poaching capabilities on the front lines of wildlife crisis in Africa. Uh, we train special, what we call wildlife special operations, so small surgical approach to uh, increasing asymmetric abilities for those on the front lines of poaching. So the biggest crisis you'd fa- you're dealing with now is rhinos? Absolutely, yeah. Give people almost just like a, a small drop-in-the-bucket context to the scale of the issue um well the rhino horn is one of if not the in certain markets most valuable material on the planet right now uh the value what's it like 10 times 100 times more valuable than gold it's by the ounce (coughs) by the ounce and and of course as the available uh as the Mm -hmm. availability diminishes Mm -hmm. the value increases Mm. so it's it's sort of this snake chasing its tail um there are you know, uh, I'm, I'm really bad with the numbers on this stuff, but I think I can give some sense of space. You know, there were, um, uh, in, in one species, rhino 50,000 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years ago. Now there are 2,000 mm. uh, remaining in the world or fewer. Every census comes back more and more frighteningly small. We look at, um, we lost the northern white rhino when, com- when extinct. Uh, Functionally two? extinct. Functionally. There's still Fun- two females. Right. But... Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, and actually, and for all intents and purposes, as a non-biologist, uh, <laughs> my understanding is once you're beneath, depending on the species, between 100 or 30 of that species, sure. it, it's gone. Like yeah, the bottleneck gen- genetics. Exactly. It's like the cheetah. You have a bottleneck genetics. It's still surviving right now, but genetically similar individuals in San Diego Zoo versus those that are on the Masai Mara, essentially. A- absolutely, and you've taken away from that animal hundreds of thousands uh, or tens of thousands of years of evolution with its environment. Mm-hmm. So it really, even if you could clone and reintroduce the northern white rhino, for one thing, we never s- studied it really. So we don't know. Right. We wouldn't know if we got it right. But it's not. It's not the same. And also, that science it just it it's it is it hasn't been demonstrated mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so we lost the northern white rhino. We have two African. Uh, primary species remaining one has fewer than 2,000 left the black rhino um, uh, rapidly fewer uh, and so we're looking at extinction for both the remaining species um, within a decade potentially and uh, especially with the post-covid surge surge of demand 
decreased resources to right. combat that combat that demand, increase right. corruption based on disenfranchisement, all of this. And, and of course, the rhino, we talk about the rhino, it is the umbrella species too. Uh, mm-hmm. The pangolin, the lion. Pangolin, lion, yep. Everything's being, being targeted, as you well know. So, uh, And I think this year, just for people's context, we are we're podcasting January 17th. Um, I want to start, I want to say that we started off with a bang, like 25 rhinos or 26 rhinos taken in the Western Cape, right? Northern Cape, something like that. Yeah. And and a lot of numbers are not disclosed. Uh, and, and of course, not every carcass is found. Right. Um, you know, you spend enough time on one. And, and another number that's not often um, well understood is the number of calves or, you know, fetuses that are lost. Rhino has a slow reproduction rate. The calves stay with the cow for four years. Uh, so you oftentimes either, you, if you find a cow, there's a pretty good assumption that if you didn't find a calf, there was one, mm. right? So, mm. um, anyway, the point is, I, I think there's two, two sort of statistical, uh, anomalies. One is that th- there's underreporting either because parks or national entities don't want to advertise the amount of poaching that they have. Right. Um, they don't want to deter. It makes sense, but it's also like the time to care about extinction is not when the last northern white male dies, which is the only time it was on the cover of any newspaper. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, the time to care is, is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether or not you keep that information private, I mean, that's, I, I feel like we're... Well, they're keeping it... I can understand the whole anti-poaching part of things, but I think a lot of private landowners that have rhino keep it private because they don't want the attention, which would then attract attention of the syndicates and the poachers themselves, right? Uh, one, uh, Yeah, there, there are, and, and, you know, you don't want tourists in your four-star, five-star resort thinking about poachers with rifles walking around, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's all, all kinds of, but at the end of the day, like, the world just, the world just isn't tuned into this, and I don't think they will be until it's lost. And once the rhino's lost, obviously, you've lost the big five. You've lost a major portion of tourism, mm-hmm. huge impact to the biosphere, mm-hmm. uh, and you've th- that it, it you know I think the the poaching syndicates will just act as a wildfire. They'll continue to consume, consume. So would you say rhinos are ninety nine percent of the stuff that you're doing right now? Because you do a little bit of abalone work, right? You've done a little bit of sort of on not offshore yeah, reconnaissance stuff for abalone. Uh, we're working. Um, uh, and for those who don't know what an abalone is, uh, it's a a. Um, it's well if you've ever bought jewelry or a knife that has that pearly iridescent mm-hmm. uh that is likely uh from my american Mother of Pearl. american pronunciation abalone uh and uh it's it's a shell mm-hmm. right that that is harvested or poached um now almost entire always illegally uh from you know offshore from marine offshore waters yeah right and um <clears throat> so we are also invested in a couple of projects that we have um that we have uh, put out press releases about. A, l- a lot of what we do just up front, uh, we can't talk about or we can't talk in detail <laughs> right. about, right? Which makes podcasting about it fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, An audio medium. I uh, can't really talk about that. I uh, can't really talk about yeah, that either. It, 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 it also keeps the interview short. Um, <laughs> but we are very proud right now to have partnered with South African National Parks on two Abalone-related uh, programs. One is in Table, National Par- Table Mountain National Park, um, which is the number one tourist attraction in all of Africa. Yep. Um, and they have a major uh, abalone poaching syndicate crisis there. Wow. Uh, the militia really taking over the park. Um, and so South, Af- South Africa National Parks uh, invited us to help develop a model of a quick reaction um, 
a counter poaching force there that, that could deploy around the mountain, multi-environment, sea, air, mountain is what SEAM stands for. And uh, simultaneously, we have... SEAM. S-E-A-M. S-E-A-M. Air Mountain. Elite, rec- specifically recruited rangers. Uh, now, are these rangers, again, I'd say, you know, obviously you, you would tell me, hey, I can't say this. Rangers are local or, or rangers are outside guys coming in? Um, I, I, I both. I mean, they're okay. recruited, uh, I think, primarily from, well. But your team is also, one of the things that you do is you bring expertise. Right. Ex-military expertise out of the United States, wherever you can get them. And you bring them to bear in this situation and you teach the local guys, this is how you're going to operate in this kind of circumstance. Correct. So these are South African National Park Rangers. So if you look at the, 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 if you look at the Ranger, um, I hate to say model, but sort of the way that uh, counterpoaching Rangers have evolved, there, there's maybe three different types. So one is private reserves that have a private security contractor yep. that is right. Um, in which case they have some degree of specialization. Yep. Uh, then you have typically the ex-military or ex-military adjacent or something. I, I guess yep, it yep, 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 yep. You know, depends on the, the depends on the. But group. they have some sort of typically some sort of enforcement background. If you're a private security firm. Uh, yeah, I would. I, I would think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't speak with like r- comprehensive familiarity, but yeah, uh, theoretically speaking, yes. Then you've got the the national park model where, um, and this is one of our two main areas of or, or, uh, partnerships. And in those cases, the history is that you had a, cons- a ranger conservation model where rangers were recruited and trained to be conservation rangers, not to fight militia who carry AKs mm. and who are aggressive and Makes out sense. to kill. Absolutely. Right. So uh, some of these guys have been forced to adapt for the same pay, by the way, as they would have expected to do more you know for lack of looking after the animals type work in the environment and the water pumps and maintaining roads right general sort of putting fires on the ground fire management exactly and now they find themselves to be uh, reactionary fighting forces so and then there are some new models the seam model is one of them and then african parks has an excellent law enforcement uh recruitment and training program where they now understand that rangers have a different role than they did historically so they recruit and and give initial training specifically for um a more um law enforcement uh background you know there's a lot of um i know there's a lot of debate right now We're, we're careful to you know be respectful of the the um both the operational security, but also the the way that parks want the public to perceive them. But there are those who have are adamantly against the militarization of these rangers, uh, Why? ranger forces. Why would they be against that, knowing what they're up against right now? Well, I I, I mean, look, speaking as a non-representative of any of these places, my my perspective on that is that one, I don't think people properly do understand. I think mm. that if you, you know, stand at the gate, as I have many times with a ranger who has not had a day off in a hundred days and leaves his house for, you know, less money than you spent on lunch mm-hmm. every day to, mm-hmm. um, to potentially be shot at by criminal syndicates that are potentially more well-armed. And by the way, in a lot of, places have more legal or or, um, from which they are legally restricted from, you know, engaging in in, in a way that would put 
that there that is the Rangers' life first. Uh, you know, you you don't understand from their perspective. Of course, they want to be better and more well armed and more well protected than the threat they face. I think that there may be some perception that you know when you militarize, you escalate. Right. But mm. if you're a ranger who wants to make it home at the end of the day, and if you want that rhino to survive, I, I don't think that escalation is part of the calculus. I think you just look to be as capable as possible. Mm. So um, our model is to go in and wherever we can find those groups to escalate, uh, well, let's choose a different word, to improve. <laughs> improve, uh, right. Yeah, to improve capabilities um, so that uh, to a point, hopefully, of asymmetry. That is to where... How long does that take, Nathan? Like, if someone... Like, take that guy that you're standing at the gate with, mm -hmm. has had no prior military experience, it's, you know, walks around the bush, he's a Mapoisa in one of the sections in Kruger. You know, he carries an AK, but he honestly has not... You know, he might have fired some warning shots at some, some deer loopers, right? Through sure. walkers. But how long does it take for that guy to become competent you know it it uh, so i guess two things that come to mind when i think about it we've trained guys who are well into their 60s who are some of the most devoted trainees like they want to learn right mm -hmm. they, they may have issues lifting an arm you know to hold their rifle because mm -hmm. years of, of trauma or, mm -hmm. or whatever um you know is that guy going to be your elite you know not necessarily but if he is now a little bit more likely to um, win a, a, a contact, uh, then, you know, that's a net good, right? It, it's like we're not out to train to a specific model. It's just impossible. There are different mm -hmm. levels of resources. We're never going to be able to apply the same level of resources that national militaries have, nor do we necessarily want to. They may not be the right. That might not be exactly the right model. But I think the goal is that if, if you can get to a point of deterrence like we do not want to encourage conflict ever we want that ranger we want the ranger to be safe first of all okay we want them to be safe and protected okay. we want that no matter what happens that day they come home alive mm -hmm. two and secondarily we want the rhino and the lion and the penguin and everything else to be safe and alive mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. M the goal of the model should be deterrence these guys are so good mm. that if you just I go don't want to go into that property. Right. I don't want to go in because I know if I go into that park, I am likely going to be arrested or I'm going to lose somehow. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and these guys are competent. They're confident. Um, now, obviously, uh, part of what we look at is the, you know, the, the escalation and evolution of the threat. So if you do X, they do Y. Then you do you know, this, they do that. Mm -hmm. um, the syndicates don't suddenly give up and go home. Right. So we, we, are, we are a consultancy. We're not a, we're not a training model that applies okay. the okay. same standard everywhere. So that, that's, a, that's a pretty drawn-out answer to your very simple question. Um, but another, like, so, for example, in the two programs that we put out, or two of the programs for which we put out um, press releases this year, one was specifically training a marine unit mm -hmm. around Addo Elephant, Nas uh, uh, Elephant National Park. And so we, we, we identified an in-state. Okay, they have this problem. Um, we can actually put a plug in this hole, and we know how to do it, and here is what it takes, right? It took delivering a boat, specialized training, and it wasn't a very long... And how long was that specialized training? The training itself, so uh, it was three different iterations. One was primarily consultation with light training. There was a second training iteration. There was delivery of okay. the specialized equipment. Mm -hmm. So it all happened within a year. Each block was about mm, close to a month long. Okay, right? that makes sense. 
so does that mean that these guys are now like we can wipe our hands and done and they'll never face a problem? No, but we identified if we can get you here, right? You know, and then we talk to them and say because because we're not a group, we don't have the resources, nor are we necessarily invited to just set up camp and say we're here for the next ten years, right? You know, nor would you want to, right? Because then you're creating a beast that you have to c- continually feed. You want to almost cultivate like you're doing right now, and like. Almost, you're hatching the the chick out the nest, essentially. Yeah, we want we want to enable, and also as a small nonprofit, like it's just it's impossible for us, right? That's just not our model. Um, we are looking, like we're raising money this year, uh, to pay salaries for a couple of strategic positions because we just understand that for the in-state, based on this consultation, you're going to need this person, and the park can't accommodate right, that, right? right? So in that and case, that person could float between Kruger and Addo and Table Mountain, and almost be that strategic liaison that you're looking for that that's quite yeah quite possible again i want to be very cautious that i'm not <laughs> speaking on behalf of sand parks human right, resources right. but but right. the point is like we might human resources may be a part of the solution right um and look if i you know if i had all the money in the world by which i mean five to ten million a year mm-hmm. which is money that is is there mm-hmm. right uh are our, our, we could be much much more comprehensive and effective but i think also uh in the same way that george lucas making you know first star wars movie was at his best sometimes being forced to be scrappy forces the best uh you know the, the best solutions out of the team um but uh you know like with this some of the other programs we'll look and say here is the training blocks you know we're going to do a b c d e and then that is our in state you know and then we'll revisit then and see if we can continue to be helpful uh, but we look at there's all kinds of considerations. Uh, does do you purposely check back in to the project, or do you wait for them to engage you? Uh, we always check back in. We follow up uh, with a canine program we're working on now. We plan several follow-ups uh, to make sure that the the um, training and and everything it was being maintained. But we. Um, and and then part of the conversation was what's the next investment here? Can we continue to be helpful? And if the answer is no, then the answer is no. We we move on. That's mm. great. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're not looking to set ourselves up as contractors anywhere. We're not looking for business. We want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I pretty much everywhere we've worked, if they don't need us, I'll come back on safari. Right. I love like sure, I and the team course. that yeah, we yeah. love these places. Yeah, um, yeah. I and I think there is a. a if we were to set up camp in places, like there, there's a likelihood of mission creep. Like we suddenly start finding ourselves doing things for us, not for them. Right? Mm-hmm. We're here. What can we do? Exactly. What do we want to do? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, this is not our park. Uh, we do not have the best perspective on how to manage it. We're not there every day. So we try to be very respectful of balancing our consultation of what you need with them saying, here's what we need. And a lot of it is, okay, here's what we need, but here's what we can actually do together. Um, man, there's so, there's so many things. I mean, you know, if we want to give you this, yeah, but it requires batteries that may be impossible to, to, you know, to find. Right. right. That, that's a, that's an insane limitation, but we're not necessarily in a position to say we can give you 50 years of battery support. Right. But that might be a limiting factor in one of the solutions that we come up with. And so our, we have to look and say, how can we solve that? So a good example of that is cloud defensive. One of our, um, sponsors this year in equipment they helped us come up with a rechargeable battery solution and they committed uh, a certain amount of equipment over time that we felt very comfortable that we're actually going to be setting them up for success mm. not giving them something that when we show up in a week is non-functional exactly gotcha how you know one of the things that is primarily an african 
issue. Obviously, it happens in other places in the world, but it's the thing that you associate with Africa with, which is corruption. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you just you you noted all the things that breed corruption. Guy hasn't had a day off in a hundred days. Gets paid less than what we just paid for lunch. All those things that when a syndicate boss comes in or a syndicate underling comes in and says, "Hey, bud, you make a hundred bucks this year. Yeah, I can give you a thousand tomorrow. All I need is this. Yeah, like I, if we were in that situation, what would we do? No, absolutely. Look, I, I, I to anybody who has what I would, you know, um, perhaps boldly call an imperialistic perspective that corruption is a is an issue, you know, unique to these places. Uh, nobody is beyond that kind of corruption. I'm sorry. You're exactly. One, your child ends up in the hospital, and all that's being asked of you is a little bit of information, mm-hmm. right? A little bit of information, and, and combine that with the fact that you are disenfranchised. Nobody from outside the world cares that you're protecting an animal. I mean, literally, wealthy people from the West or anywhere else show up on safari and aren't even aware that mm-hmm. there are people out there working hard and tirelessly mm-hmm. to protect animals. Like, at some point, why do you care, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and I I 100% think that we have to look at corruption as um, as an expression of one our failure, like as the rest of the world, right? Um, I, I think that we like we cannot look and say, well, they are corrupt. Second, there has to be some mechanism in. I would suggest that in places where corruption is rampant and found, there should be some mechanism for reintegrating those people into the good graces, if possible. Um, because otherwise you just continue to polarize and in a way... And then you disenfranchise them to, to do that more, right? Because then it's like, well, what else have I, am, am I left with, right? Yeah. I was, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because I just lost this job because of... The yeah. And, and you have to... And like, it, it allows you to start considering the well-being of the ranger. Um, the health, the mental health, the uh, sense of purpose, all of these things cannot be disregarded. And uh, I think that a whole lot of difference could be made if tourism, uh, whether it be hunting, whether it be safari goers, people who drive into the parks or day passes, take some time to just thank mm. rangers. Mm-hmm. And it, may, it may sound kind of, um, kind of cheap, but... I, the disconnect between what they do and its importance to the world. And I think that, you know, if if we can't radically, in like at some point you just can't combat the economics, right? You just right. can't do it. Right. Um, you can work in a lot of ways, but if you can start to create a, I, I do believe that it, not everything is about money. I mean, you know, if you, people in the intelligence world, case officers know that nobody is motivated by money ever. Right. That is not a motive. If somebody says, what are they motivated by money? They're not. Nobody's motivated by money. There's something else that money can perhaps serve that's in their motivation. Right. Mm. It's caring for their family. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, I yeah. Uh, am angry with the system, whatever it may be. Money's not the motivation. And that's not to say, you know, I'm not who am I to say what poverty means in mm. some cases. Right. Are you paid a fair wage? Can you live off of it? I can't go in there and prescribe to you what should make your life you know, uh, what should make you happy in your life. But I do know that you do a job that is important to me, my family, my children, and frankly is globally important. And I at least need to recognize and appreciate that. So maybe we we start there. And from there can start to look at how we build alliances and support. I mean, how many people went on safari in X Park this year who stopped for a minute to say, hey, what do you guys need? Right. You know, how can I help? Um, I've literally met people at 
very expensive lo- expensive lodges. Um, not where I was staying, but where <laughs> I was passing through or meeting a donor. Just just for your know, clarification and anyone from the IRS listening to for this from an order perspective, <laughs> yeah. you know, Nathan is not staying in five star lodges <laughs> in South Africa. <laughs> so yeah, I. Uh, um, I, I look enviously sometimes over the over the fence, but sure. uh, but um, I have been you know at, at times exposed and had conversations with people who've traveled from like one example from San Francisco. They were paying at least three thousand dollars a night for their room, yep. and their only question for me when I told them what we were there doing um, was, well, "Wasn't there a fence around the park? You know, how do the how do the poachers get in?" and I can tell you, no answer mattered. They were right. there, and, and like, look, I, you know, it was out of sight, out of mind. We're here for yeah. what we paid for, and they didn't do anything wrong, right? But uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm shaming these people mm-hmm. for, for not knowing something. Mm-hmm. But my point is, when you talk about corruptibility, I think disenfranchisement is a bigger problem than pure finances, mm-hmm. and uh, in a way, you you can almost say. The syndicates are the only one who care about my family, right? Right. That syndicate came in. They offered me, like, exactly. I, I know one ranger supports 12 family members on yeah. his salary, right? Yeah. Somebody comes along and offers to help with that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you've got two members of a family, theoretically. Well, not just theoretically. It, it happens. One is involved in poaching or criminal activity. One is involved in law enforcement. Well, who brings in more money for the family, mm. right? N- no question. Did you see that? Speaking about that, did you see that Richard Branson piece on I Rhinos? I don't think it was that a I little did. documentary. It wasn't. It was actually a. It was a fictional documentary, and that's. Oh wait, was this the the le- the, me- the letter? No, it oh, wasn't the letter. Okay. It was. Um, it was set, quote unquote, outside of Pilonsburg in South Africa. It followed two brothers in a little community village outside. One was a ranger, and one was. Uh, was approached by the syndicate and the guy snuck in and killed the rhino and his brother found him during the whole melee and he killed his brother it, it's it, you need to watch and i'll find it for you yeah. i've watched it it was brilliantly done and it showed the whole like community vibe you know this community being really scared when the syndicates came in they knew who they were the bad guys and then you had this guy who was like I think he got. I think the brother actually turned. Anyway, I'm I'm butchering it, but I'll no, find I, it for you. Richard Branson did it. Wow. Okay. Uh, I um I I'm sorry. I'm not aware of it. I I will say I have heard that almost exact story told to me. Uh, that did happen mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. Um, I don't think in the story I heard. I think the the ranger put his gun down and said, "I can't." It's my brother or cousin it might or be the, it might be the exact same thing i can't yeah. remember the ending but well certainly the point is it's certainly inspired by reality right? correct that is a real thing 100 uh, and, and 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 yeah i mean the, these guys and and one of the things i know that um, more veteran rangers that we've worked with will tell more junior rangers is they do not care about you the syndicates will leave you to die they're here to exploit you but again your perception may be God, nobody cares that I do this job. I'm making no money. You know, I'm, I asked five times for a new, you know, pair of boots, and I never got them. And then mm. this guy comes in and says, "Come be part of something, man. You know, the world is not just right here in the park. You know, mm. it's it's you know what what it it's a very, you know, uh, corruption is is a product of a a global equation, not you know the specific corruptibility of mm. the ranger. Um, so yeah, I uh, um, yeah. So let's um, 
let's turn a little bit at, as we get to the end of this to eco defense how long have you guys been going uh five years now five years same same time as you we learned yeah it is it's, it's quite funny that the trajectory is about the same two guys same age essentially how old are you uh i'm 37 oh damn i am much older than you <laughs> <laughs> i got more gray in my but, beard but much prettier <laughs> But hey, I, I did want to mention that you did have a haircut for this podcast, even though it's an audio medium, and you did a push-up the other day. <laughs> this, is, this is true. It still shows. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I need to make more of an effort. Um, travel takes its toll. Uh, of course. So what's on the cards for Eco Defense in 2022? You obviously had a banger year in 21. Was that almost like a coming out year in 21? Um, Would you say? I, I think we, you know, we, we have different stages of growth. So mm -hmm. we have a board meeting this week and we're kind of looking at our, I don't know, our iteration 3.0 for we're taking on uh, some new, um, a little bit more of a holistic approach, including oh, uh, yeah, yeah. things like intelligence mm. and, and some other stuff. Uh, to tackle the corruption side of things a little bit more. Well, just to, you know, if you... If you understand the fine fix finish um, vocabulary, right? You you find the um, you 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 identify the threat. And that's the fine. To fix is to to understand their movement or mechanism, and then to finish is to you know make Execute. the contact and and mm -hmm. perform the arrest or whatever that may look like. And we've invested a lot on the right side of that. The finish we're starting to invest a little more on the left side because again it goes to ranger burnout, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the issues is you can't have these guys on the right doing everything. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we are looking to invest more in that direction this year. Um, I, yeah, I mean, a banger year relative to us. It was certainly our most successful year. Good, uh, good, good. We um, saw a lot of effect. We've in, increased our alliances and our, uh, you know, our partnerships. Um, we rely on, you know, groups like yourself uh, to be the advocates for us. Sure, like I sure. said, we can't advertise a great deal. Uh, you know, I think there's a time limit to our Instagram and other thing. At some point, we got to just pull back. Um, right. So, uh, and, and, and we never, you know, to be clear too, exposure is not something we desire. We're not the ones who risk our lives. Right, um, exactly. We absolutely love it over there, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're essentially an underground nonprofit that is supporting the, the fight on the ground for wildlife. Yeah, and, and supporting being the key word, yeah. right? It, it's, it is our concern. That is, if the rhino is lost, it's lost for me, my kids, their kids, but it is not our fight. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that the integrity of, of, of understanding that where that line is drawn um, or, or I'm sorry, understanding the integrity of, of how that line is drawn is crucial. I right. think, you know, we get a lot of DMs and other people who reach out and, you know, they how can go. I go fight? Exactly. And, you know, and a lot of them have an attitude, man, got to kill the poachers, poach the yeah. poachers. And to me, you know, first of all, thing one is life is life. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You can't talk about you know your ambition to protect wildlife if you also have an ambition to kill a human well i just saying speaking that i just had an anti-hunter this afternoon saying that oh we're going to put all you know we should be hunting hunters and put hunters heads on the wall as trophies and i was like and i, I looked in she's a private account her name was angie and i said angie so you're advocating murder yeah. question mark i said that's that's awful mm. And I'm sure the FBI will be looking in on you very, very soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the the, the emotional, like, yes. you know, the logical disconnect that's rooted in emotion. Yeah. Um, but again, it goes back to sort of understanding 
the, you know, the human element of all of this. Um, but anyway, for us this year, we've got a number of project lanes. Most of them, you know, are not, can't be made public, but we will be right. training. Um, we will continue our training with the SEAM team. Mm -hmm. That is a more public program. Uh, we really have a goal and we're starting to see those, that group is awesome. They are highly effective. They are the right people for the job. Awesome. We're really excited to be a part of that program. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we're looking to double sort of our performance from last year. Um, what we rely on and what sort of my job is, is to bring in private support, the support, mm -hmm. those people to whom we can disclose what mm -hmm. we do. Um, and, and those people who want to invest, right? Because a donation to us, I do believe it's an investment, right? Not in us. It's an investment in the Ranger and the, and the Rhino. Right. Um, and we do it for the Rangers and for the Rhinos and, and, uh, you know, until the world changes, there has to be someone who stands between the poacher and the Rhino. Um, so, you know, uh, while there ideally could be a more soft investment, this is the reality of what's required. It's not the only thing that's required, but this is our, our mission. Right. So we're going to be expanding, uh, at a couple other locations on the continent, uh, expanding in our contractor, diversifying our contractor base a little bit based on some of those specific needs. Um, maybe selling a couple more t-shirts. We don't do a lot of that, <laughs> but there's been some request for it. And then, um, you know, one thing I am that, that we started to do last year, which led us to this conversation, which I am eager to do is I think there's a real opportunity right now to, um, build a bridge between, uh, the hunting community's participation in the hunting reserves and the larger wild national parks where mm -hmm. that genetic diversity, for example, comes from. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, if we can, um, you know, speak with people like you, uh, and, and rely some on your outreach and messaging to help us for sure. reach out to those communities and say, you know, and maybe even not through us, but just right. you're here, right. uh, come meet some Rangers and understand Absolutely. Some of this mechanism. So that's something that I think we and others need to put more energy into, uh, is into building more bridges between sure, communities, sure. um, that want to see consonants with the environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, it'll be, hopefully it'll be a banner good. year for all of us and well, hopefully a good year for the Rhino. Yeah. Well, we're big fans of you and big fans of what you do at Eco Defense. Um, and you know, if anything we can do in terms of, you know, shouting from the rooftop, your message, that's what we'll do. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we reach a point where it's, it's, it's not about the volume of the message it's about the right people right right um i think we just know globally that we you know you can't just yell at people so if we can encourage the right people with the right insights and the right resources to come to the table mm -hmm. this problem is actually solvable um at least you know sort of short term solvable uh one problem at a time solvable with the right allocation of resources that is that is not extraordinary mm -hmm. you know uh it well if it wasn't solvable you wouldn't be at the table in your mind, mm. in your mind, if it wasn't solvable, you wouldn't be at the table. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's true. Yeah. Well, Nathan, I appreciate you coming on again. Let us know if we can do anything for you. And uh, let everybody know uh, where can they find you? Can they? How can they donate to what you do? Yeah, um, ecodefensegroup.org. Uh, donation link is easy to find there. You can find us on Instagram for now. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we, we encourage outreach. Um, where we're we understand that every conversation you know is an inclination towards the cause um so yeah you can find us on on those channels and uh we're always listening awesome thanks nathan thank you well that's it for today i appreciate you listening as always 
leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.